Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film from 1998 film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight yes Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident self-assured style Lex Luthor in Superman what is it about Gene Hackman that uh... his performance it's off the charts but still in reality fiendishly gifted 1981 Sam Raimi Opus The Evil Dead oh yes fine choice Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have charade oh directed by Stanley Donnan it's a textbook screenplay it's just effortless and there's not a wrong note in this movie can't say enough great things about it we'll be back next Friday with an all new episode of the 430 movie wherever you listen to podcasts join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is the definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed his dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Sundays on Electric Now. Tune in to the official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very distinctive podcast with me, Yell Teagle, and my co-host, Felicia Michelle. Each week, we'll be breaking down another episode of Leverage Redemption. Plus, we've got exclusive interviews with the stars, as well as some games, and we'll even be showing off some amazing fan art. So after you watch Leverage Redemption on IMDb TV, you'll definitely want to join us here to catch all the Easter eggs and behind-the-scenes fun. The official Leverage Redemption After Show, a very distinctive podcast. Sundays on Electric Now. If you like listening to this podcast, you'll love watching us on Electric Now, the free video streaming app featuring video versions of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts, along with full seasons of The Librarians, Leverage, the exclusive Leverage Redemption After Show, as well as Flash Gordon serials, hysterical comedy specials, and much more. Download it today from your favorite app store or watch us on Roku, Stir, DistroTV, Zumo, Sling, or Plex. Welcome to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. We are going to pick up our conversation right where we left off in part one of our George A. Ramiro's Almost Was Resident Evil episode, which was recorded live for the Chattanooga Film Festival with our guests, Mike Mendez, Brian Collins, and Chattanooga Film Festival founder, Chris Dorch. Uh, there's kind of a fun thing going on once Chris and Jill are there, because Chris is obviously like, what the fuck? <laughs> like a super soldier. <laughs> and Wesker's basically like, we need to fucking kill this guy. He's going to get in the way. And Jill's like, no, I'll, I'll, you know, let's not kill him. And Wesker's like, fine, he's your problem. It's kind of a little <laughs> bit of rom-com going on in here. Like I said, I like the cheese ball dialogue. I want to highlight one thing because I plan to steal it word for word for a future script at some point. So I I already want that on the record that Jill is like, there's no I in team, Chris. And Chris responds, there's no I in dead either. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. There's your poster tagline. <laughs> Fuck. Um, we also start hinting at, and this is the part that I feel would have been for people who didn't play the game, the kind of also aside from fast zombies, the big like zombie movie upgrade is when we start hearing like weird monstery, like huge beast, like monstery sounds echoing from elsewhere in the house. And as a viewer, I would have just been like, Oh shit. <laughs> that there's something more than just a zombie and zombie dogs. Um, also, I had no idea the level, the sheer volume of like crazy different creatures this franchise had, but it makes sense because oh, yeah. they made a zillion of the games. And they have to keep outdoing themselves. Um, but then getting to what Collins was highlighting on it. So after the zombie sharks, the next kind of big like, oh, shit. There's also a lot of like the lasers in the Anderson one. There's also a lot of them getting through like high tech booby traps. There's kind of a cool set piece where they realize there's these laser beam shooting out, but they're not laser beams that cut you. It's more like they trigger these acid love jets yeah. to spit mm -hmm. out. So they're all hiding on the ground, but dumb zombies who don't know to avoid the lasers are just like walking through the lasers <laughs> yeah. and triggering them, which means the acid just <laughs> raining down. And the last crusade there, Jehovah yeah. spelled with an eye. Yeah. <laughs> but what like, we're learning cool today scene. is Sean Connery should have been in this film. Is yes. really <laughs> he should have been in this film yeah. as felt. Yeah, they stole that for entrapment. <laughs> yeah. You're right. They did. The lasers came right yeah. back for entrapment. Yeah. Sean Connery no, is the voice of the title. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, so here's the thing that uh, uh, Collins was talking about. They enter an arboretum, um, or wait, maybe we already passed this. Sorry. Well, they they introduced the vine wallpaper early, but then like yeah, yeah then they get what, to the actual that was early. Game? That, that was the kitchen is lined with fifty year old ivy pattern wallpaper. The printed yeah. vines seem to be moving. Chris doesn't notice until the vines begin to wriggle furiously and rip yeah. through the wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So then they then they find out what these vines were attacked to. They enter an arboretum, uh, which is just full of like big, insane plants, including this one big, you know, Audrey two style. Uh, the vines from that movie, the vine or that way, uh, the ruins, yeah, the ruins, not the vines. Yeah. Um, there's also like a big crazy again, thinking of the things that would have for sure gotten cut where they'd be like. Do you need also need a big man eating copperhead anaconda <laughs> snake in this arboretum with the man eating? Plant? That was my favorite thing. It was like this could have oh, been yeah. a set piece on its own. You have giant yeah. plants, but it's like they, they they literally like turn like five degrees away from the giant plant, and then this giant snake too. And I'm like, yeah. And all I was thinking of was like what the 90, 1999 CGI would have looked like on that. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, it's probably best it didn't happen. Yeah. No, I mean <laughs> the guy yeah. that made the actual mummy instead can uh, we can just look at some of the effects in those movies. Because this would have been coming out this around the same time as uh Deep Blue Sea, yeah, which I always think is so interesting because that was has like kind of the best mechanical practical mm -hmm. sharks ever yeah. and then just these horrible cg sharks <laughs> it's such a weird uh like a weird crossroads in yeah. where technology was um but next we introduce uh i kept expecting liquors to show up and they never do spoiler alert was that were liquors not from the first two resident evil games they, they were absolutely in the first oh, they two. Were? okay you, yeah there's some major set pieces the tyrant, in the second in the, game the, the tyrants and the hunters i think yeah this has the hunters which turns yeah, out so to I be the things probably, you were hearing they're all kind of yeah. similar so they probably felt it was you know yeah, these also have they have climbed around on the ceilings and there's a lot of set pieces of the and again there's yeah. six of them 
uh, not just one hunter. There's a whole bunch of them. You can't kill them with a headshot like the zombies. You got to shoot their joints, which yeah. felt I don't know if that's what it is in the video game, but no, I remember that from the game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just remember they're just bullet sponges. You can shoot them yeah, in the head. You just, you just shit you a just, bunch of bullets into them and eventually so yeah. they yeah. sort of die. Uh, and then we and we enter another, you know, cube style set piece where they're in a hallway and the floor begins to grind in and out left and right as if though it was, as though it were chewing and it's eating up, you know, dead bodies and dead hunters and whatever. And then that's when they reach the only survivors in the whole complex, which is Ada Wong. Um, who we'd seen on like a video playback, you know, old video earlier in the movie and two other scientists and they look all fucked up and they kind of give our big exposition dump. We've had a lot of actually exposition dumps from Wesker kind of half explaining things, but she explains it further about the T virus and bio organic weapons and I feel like you get a little bit of that in the Johannes Roberts too, because there's definitely like, you know, the, the scientists that they've locked up in raccoon city police station who we see on video is like an activist early. Like we got to get the truth out about raccoons. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Then they finally get to D lab and that's when we find the tyrant who's like the big super creature, even more horrible than the hunters. We get our big twist in this, that Wesker was lying about getting an antidote. He's just trying to get, the like yeah, <laughs> twist he's trying to get the data on the tyrant so that they can he can sell it back to umbrella or the highest bidder <laughs> everyone else is like what the fuck and he's basically just like anyone who wants to get out a lot who gets out of here alive gets a taste yeah. of me selling this but half our people are like no way we, we got to stop this from getting out um and he's got the dead man switch. Like some, there's something in his. He has ear. a dead man switch. Like, yeah. Actually, I kind of like this moment where Jill yeah. has her what's was meant to be her big hero moment. Yeah. You know, like spoiler alert. You know, it's like it was like that moment at the end of Stranger Things season yeah. three where Hopper nods to you know Winona Ryder oh, yeah. of like yeah yeah just fucking blow it all up. Uh, yeah. And Jill and Chris nod to each other, and she pulls the thing out, the detonator on Wesker, yeah. assuming that the moment she did that, they would just instantly explode but that sets like a 15 minute timer and she's like well shit like yeah. i just worked up all she's my like, courage yeah she even says like i ruined my moment yeah, yeah. ruined my moment or whatever yeah uh, we still have 15 minutes some, to get out some of here good dialogue in here so then like most of our good guys are trying to escape they sort of give like a paul riser and an aliens moment to wesker and his buddy barry the ones that they keep being like you know i still owe yeah. you one and blah 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 they're trapped in there with the tyrant um but then Wesker manages to even betray his buddy further than he betrayed the rest of the team because Barry's trying to kill the tyrant and he's going to like throw a grenade at it and Wesker just kills his buddy because he's like, no, I, I'm still trying to collect the data yeah. to get out of here. Uh, he <laughs> almost gets out like he met like some doors are just about to shut and he's like, ha ha, eat shit, you. He's saying to the, the tyrant, but the tyrant like launches a tentacle through the door and kills him, and then opens right, creep show to the raft style. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's what we get some infected crows. Um, <laughs> I feel like Rodriguez martyrs herself twice almost yeah. in a row where she's like, You guys go, I'll hold them off, but then it actually yeah. works the first time, and then she does it again, <laughs> but is infected by a crow at that point. We get this whole freight elevator shaft that you were saying, Collins, is basically right out of the game where the tyrant is like trying to get them. Well, the the, the elevator, I, I mean, I was starting trouble visualizing that. There's something about like they're jumping off of pylons or something and, and uh, 
but then they're on chains and like they pull a chain it'll make somebody else go up then make somebody else go down which i get that get that that would have been cool but the whole no the whole thing with the like with the uh tyrant like in the in the lab and it's like you know there's even a note in the script like oh he can't get directly to it because there's like desks and stuff in the way like that's that's the the climb you know when you're fighting the, the tyrant that's like your best chance of escape is like run around to the other side of a desk and shoot him because he has to keep going around the desk, you know, like, you just yeah. so it's like, there's little things like that where like, you could tell that they were really, really trying to like stay faithful to the Does, game's big moments, even if they got there from different. Is it from the means. games? Cause it, it's a big, important that whole elevator shaft thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know nah, that was not oh, okay. the game. No, uh, it's an important part of the tyrants design in the movie that uh, his heart is on the outside of his body. That I think is in the game. Okay, and he has a rhinoceros Strange design, heart. but you, you know, have yeah. that zone where you shoot, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which, and, the, and, the, and the rocket launcher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. High exactly. Uh, although I can't skip, uh, before we get to the actual climax, uh, when Rosie martyrs herself for the second time and she's being killed <laughs> by the tyrant, her final great line is, eat me, you pile of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, but then Chris gets them out of there, like we said, because he knows the bootlegger secret passages that yeah, weren't yeah. even part of the umbrella design. They get out of there. There's still the one chopper left with guys that we've cut back to a couple times. Um, everyone but Chris gets in the chopper. They're flying away. They only have a few seconds before everything is going to get nuked. Jill throws a rocket launcher to Chris, who aims it at the tyrant's rhinoceros heart and explodes it. Um, they've just managed to get out of there. He gets in the chopper as they're flying away. Just, you know, she's like, sorry, Chris, I know it's your home. And Chris is like, I hoped it would be our home. And then Jill says, well, I guess we're going to be moving. And then kaboom. And then I love this detail is we just get all these shots of zombies getting nuked. Yeah. And the, there's like a few on the very outskirts of town who get like hit with a bunch of shrapnel, but some of them don't get hit in the brain. Yeah. So they just kind of shamble away from the destruction. Screen goes to black. The end. So somehow, somehow we mentioned a few lines, but we, we I think we missed the best line in the entire script where one of the random aliens ripoff guys says, this is like Night of the Living Dead. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, George. For its, yeah, but for its time, because I, I remember I went to see House of the Dead at AFM. And it was like the first screening of it. The audience loved it. And when they I brought up there. the... Oh, you were there. Yeah. When, the, with, when, with Dave Parker. So. Oh, you were? Yeah. yeah. Parker, Parker wrote I, it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. I, I was at that screening. The audience loved it. And when they brought up that Romero line, the audience just exploded with laughter. And I remember being in that theater like, wow, I've never heard... I'd never heard. That was like the first time I ever, you know, that screening went so well. I almost thought it was a good movie. So, you know, <laughs> you know, and I then we was... had the great idea to bring Uva Bowl out and give him a retirement party at CFF. And the tales I could tell you. Oh, wow. on this oh man. Wow. I would <laughs> like to hear those tales. I would. At some I, <laughs> I would, too. I haven't seen the movie since that screening and I remembered liking it. And then it came out and then people were like, you're crazy. Did I remember being kind of charmed by like the fully Sega-esque sequences mm-hmm. that were within that movie. But otherwise, no. I remember I liking it and then never having the slightest desire to ever see it again. So that kind of exactly. told me something. So uh, yeah. so it's like another Caddyshack 2 for me. Did our, anyone our, play the... the uh, I just remember, no. uh, why do you want to be immortal? To live forever. Like, okay. ah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a quality answer. Yeah. Wait, Very did direct. anyone play the uh, the... 
the Dreamcast typing of the dead? No. Yes. Oh, no. Uh, and so, I, I have a lot of bad Dreamcast era memories. That system, <laughs> oh boy. Because for those who don't remember, and it didn't come with it, you had to order it separate. And for some reason, no, one, it was what, expensive. one of my roommates, uh, when I first moved to L.A., had the keyboard, like the old fashioned, big, chunky computer keyboard that you could plug into the Dreamcast for certain games that I'm sure most of them were meant to be like educational. But they <sighs> someone, not someone, I think it was like a proper sold Dreamcast game made a version of House of the Dead called Typing of the Dead, where instead of the gun... Oh, I remember it that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like the type. Mavis Beacon yeah. typing game. Where and if you sentences fuck up, would appear in front of the zombies, basically. and you had to finish the sentence to shoot the zombie. Uh, it was a pretty like great Zeta? game to play while you were high, the especially if you were good at you're typing. Dying. <laughs> Weird. Zeter the game. Um, yeah, well, so that 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 was the script. What what ha- I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what happened. But what happened, Steve? Yeah, you know, I kind of jumped ahead. Um, I'm just going to go back really quick. So the commercial came out in 1997. I'm sorry. And oh no, the commercial was shot in 97. In 1998, January, the game Resident Evil 2 was released. And then a lot of rumors started in April 98. Like one was because immediately after he did the commercial, people automatically thought, this is early internet, you know, rumors. People thought Romero was immediately attached to the movie. And then like in April 98, IGN released something that Romero is not directing, but there's someone else that's, um, it's the guy that directed The Vanishing. George, do you know how to say his last name? Sluzer? Uh, uh, oh, the original Vanishing. The original. Yeah. Oh, the original I think he made the <laughs> remake the as well. Yeah, he did the remake too, yeah. We got one of those weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was supposedly attached in in I mean, his name comes up everywhere in some places says that he wasn't in some places says he was attached. And so he was somewhat attached, but I we can't really find out. And then there was another article that came out like on O cities. And then they said it was or this is all fake. Of course, it was already filming in Oregon. And uh, constructions of the sets have caused delays. And it's directed by, again, George Sluzer and not Romero. And so far, Bruce Payne will be in it, you know, as Wexler. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was and then the, the budget was 60 million now. So that was probably all fake. And then um, in, in July 1998, it was official when. Uh, Romero signed on to Resident Evil. And what's crazy about this is that I was finally able to go back to the library to look up Resident Evil. I was all excited. And man, there was like no announcement from like Hollywood Reporter or Variety that he was announced to the project. It was like in some like DVD review article I found from July 1998 that he was like at some VSDA expo in Las Vegas. And that's where he kind of announced that he just signed on. And right after, and he was also set at that convention, as soon as he's done Resident Evil, he's going to start his next Live and Dead film. And he kind of wanted to do one in the 90s because he did one, you know, in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And he wanted to do one in the 90s, just about like, you know, the zombies are kind of dead, lying in the gutters, reaching out for people and stuff like that. You know, they kind of wanted to do something about like homeless that's how we look at the zombies now that was like kind of like an idea he had in, in the 90s and at the same time too he was working on a night of living dead tv series he was trying to get off the ground and then 
in August 1998. Um, him, he finished like his official storyline of it. That was when I went into like copyright. I was looking up stuff, trying to see. And I apologize. And I was going to do an Irish goodbye. I have tickets to Black Box and I completely brain, blame Graham Silver <laughs> for this. Uh, Black Phone, sorry. Uh, Black Box, I changed the name. Uh, and so I'm late now. So it rules. I, I, I hope yeah, you love do it. Thing. Yeah. I have yeah. to leave, but thank you. This was fun. And uh, I look forward to hearing the end of what happens at the end. So, all, right. Anyway, all right. We'll let you know if there's any big twists coming. Exactly. Yeah. It turned out he did make it. He just didn't know. <laughs> They're home. We'll watch it home. right now. Bye-bye, yeah. Mike. Bye, Mike. Right. Later, man. All right. So, yeah. And then so um, August 1998, um, there was a it was like a rumored cast of Samantha Math Mathis, Jason Patrick, and Bruce Campbell. Campbell, and that again was probably all bullshit. And then um, Romero was saying that you know about the script, he's hoping it could be dark and chilling like the game. And what he wants to do with it for U.S. release is have like a R rating release. And because it's going to be an expensive film, because no one's going to take a chance on an unrated film. And so so the other thing that we always forget to talk about is like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead were insanely gory movies for their times. Like right now, it seems like anyone is watching those movies. and That's fine compared to what's on TV now. But at the time, those movies were pretty brutal, you know. And so he was going to do a R version and then he wanted to do an all out director's cut unrated version. That was what he wanted to do with this and um and so he was one of those guys that was like a target you know for the mpaa so they would have yeah. given him an nc-17 just whatever he turned in first you know i don't mm -hmm. know if it was like this exact era either but he had a great but short-lived zombie comic series for marvel called toe tags that was mm -hmm. kind of uh anthology and there was a lot of great little little connective tissue things i don't know that did there. you read that yeah. collins I think I did. I mean, the name sounds familiar. Was it with Steve Niles? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I never read it either. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then we just got to the first draft, October 1998. And then so 1999, February 1999, Electric Gaming Monthly stated that he's already written a few drafts. April 1999, George Romero gets announced that he's going to team up with the Wachowskis to direct Conorvore. That's their famous unproduced script. And then he was interviewed by EGM and they asked him about Twilight of the Dead. And at that point, he got really upset. He's like, I don't even know where that title came from. I might have said <laughs> it jokingly at a press conference, but, you know, he doesn't want to do... That's not going to be his next dead movie. And funny enough, when I went through his archives, I did find there is a treatment out there of Twilight of the Dead he wrote. So maybe he's now. But, you know, I think the Dead series at that time, the, the rights were tied up and he couldn't make another of the dead. And so I think maybe that's why he was shunning the Twilight of the Dead idea off. Um, and then um, July 1999, uh, George Romero is officially off the project, according to IGN. And again, I, that's, I couldn't find any of this like on Hollywood Reporter or Daily Variety. It was all through like gaming mags were the ones doing all the articles on this uh, Resident Evil movie. Um, and it said, and there was a thing that said, um, we've seen several of George's manuscripts and they were too zombie-ish. <laughs> and so we're got waiting. zombie guy to make the Resident <laughs> Evil movie. And he, he gave us zombies. What the? These Ada Wong scenes aren't fleshed out nearly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Roar Wong. And he essentially was turning Resident Evil into Dawn of the Dead instead of making it new and original. 
he wanted to put sunglasses on the zombies and do goofy stuff like that. You know, they were saying, which huh. and then the, well, it's not Cap- in any of this script. Right. That's what I mean. And they were saying you have the sunglasses on Wesker. <laughs> well, that's I think they had weird. something with Wesker's sunglasses. Uh. I, I don't know if it's one of the later drafts. They start because the first draft is the movie. It doesn't make sense how they would say he didn't get Resident Evil because yeah. eventually Romero would come out and say they never played the game. They didn't know what they wanted or what they had. You know, he would eventually come out and say. And then the Capcom producer said uh, Romero's script wasn't good. So. Romero was fired. That was like what he said in Japan. And um, yeah, and so he was no longer a part of the project. And another guy from Constantine would say, with George, we could have done a great zombie movie for a very limited audience. Um, But, you know, we could have shown it in a regular theater, but we could not have shown it on television. And if it's released on video, it'd be rated X. You know, you can't make it, you know, it's not in a big event movie. And so, you know, again, like they're, they're kind of coloring him like, mm-hmm. you know, he did something different than than on the script rewrote because that script yeah. is a fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, not- the thing is, the thing that I noticed is that, I mean, again, this is the first draft. We don't know what changed along the way, but mm-hmm. it seemed just from this that they were already moving away from the survival horror aspect of the game into something more pure action-y. And like I could see them being like, that's what they want out of the movies, and it seemed like he got, he you know he understood yeah. the assignment, as they say. Like it, totally. it, it is like one little thing, like probably you know two thirds of the way through, where they're like, oh, I mean, how much ammo do we have left? I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna be down to a couple bullets, and they have like. 42 clips i'm like you don't get 42 clips across the entire game <laughs> you know and they've already killed a whole bunch of shit um so i'm like all right like that's something i always like been wondering like did they ever want to play up the we need to run away from this as opposed to standing there and shooting it 50 times you know well, which is just people. funny thinking of then the movie that did get made yeah. that has even less of the survival horror than this has, yeah you know this at least still had scenes in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if you don't think he got the game, what the hell did you guys make instead? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he I mean, that's I mean, it's insane how much of the game that that the script when I was. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe how many awesome set pieces. I couldn't yeah. believe how action packed it was. I, I wasn't expecting that from it is like 75 percent accurate to the letter of the game with like mm-hmm. the other things not really being. I mean, apart from the whole, you know, the thing we talked about earlier with Chris being like not part of stars and, you know, being this Mohawk Indian guy who doesn't know anything about, you know, the unit or whatever, that is the only major diversion. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and Ada Wong, I guess, is different. But I mean, even in the game, her, her motives are shifting and you don't know, really know a lot about her. So it's like, is it. <laughs> Is it really a betrayal to have her to be something different? Because she's different in every game anyway, because of the nature of her character. So even that's like it's maybe not too exactly what happened. She wasn't even in the first game. She only appeared in Resident Evil Two. Well, she first appeared in Resident Evil Two. Um, but you know, again, that's not. It was just like him bringing in something from the second game. I wouldn't say it was a, a radical departure the way that you look at you know the Anderson movie. You can look at any scene in this the script and be like, Oh yeah, that's resident evil. Regardless of what they changed, you can watch Anderson's almost entire movie and not realize like that. If you watch that movie without the title, you probably never realized that that was, Oh, that's that game that I played on PlayStation 15 years ago. You know? 
No, I could see it. Yeah, even like the cards, you know, they have. Yeah, they do the key card. They didn't do the mm-hmm. herbs. That was the one thing I kept waiting for. I, me too. Herbs I, I, one thing I, I thought the Johannes Robertson did really well is the keys that yeah. they had the keys with the diamonds and the hearts and the little. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah There's uh, a little bit of like the puzzle nature, like when there's sure. when Chris is taking them out after the tyrant's dead. They're taking. They're going through the the mansion to get out to the chopper, like. He like the tips a statue head or whatever and exactly. makes the thing go. And then like there's like a clock and he has to put the clock in the right hands and that'll open a door. I'm like, all right, those aren't exactly in the game, I remember, <laughs> but like that's definitely in the vibe. Like how much in the games, because the one thing just knowing Romero and what he likes to inject in his movies that I was expecting to see in this that there's almost none of, but actually is in the Johannes movie, is just kind of the like sort of satire on this like the fact that this corporation like owns this town and all their dumb propaganda. Yeah. Is that, is that stuff from the games though? Or yeah, did Johannes add the, that? Like the later the, ones, like umbrellas kind, ones. Of, umbrellas kind of backdropped in the first. So that's maybe really. why there's a lot of conspiracy of kind of shit until the okay. sequels. Yeah. I was expecting him to really play up that and they're like propaganda commercials and stuff. Oh yeah. No, no, that all came in. That mostly came in. I mean, you know, that their, their name and obviously because of Wesker, you know that they're like up to no good and stuff, but it's more of like a twist near the end, if I'm remembering correctly. It wasn't like a through line. In the um, games, the way that the way the Raccoon City movie kind of turned it. Yeah, because in the Raccoon City movie, it's like Umbrella basically owns the town. Is that yeah, what it's like think, in the original yeah, games, or no? No, d- definitely okay. not in the first. I mean, you don't even see the town in the first, and there might have been a little more of it in two. I can't. Remember. Two, I didn't. Two's the one I played the least of the original six, um, for whatever reason. I just never got far in that one, and I haven't played the remake version. Uh, there is more town in that one, but I don't remember it being like, oh, an umbrella owns this bar, and the umbrella owns this, this, and you know. Yeah, the bulk was... of two actually takes place in the Raccoon City police station. Like yeah. that map and the yeah. unlocking of it in various stages is, is yeah. most of the game. The Raccoon City movie is kind of combining one and two. Yep. The games and you this get the mansion and, and and the police yeah. station, which and the, and the they make a characters. point in the movie to be like, yeah, so strange that our police station was built into an old art museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen because it the yet. first game Damn. was Jill and Chris, and the second game was Leon and Claire. Uh, and the movie in the Raccoon City movie had all four of them. Hmm. What else we got, Steve? All right, and then in 1999, Kevin Williamson was rumored. Because he was, you know, scream yeah. and I know what you did, but that was probably just a rumor. Jeffrey Wright was also rumored, the guy who did Romper Stomper and Cherry Falls, because he was also attached to Supernova and then he left that last minute. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> um, very obsessed with that movie. Oh my God. And it, Supernova, right? We <laughs> yeah. We kind Walter of have Hill? an episode about that, right, Steve? A little with, uh, bit. Yeah. William Malone. We're talking more about. His movie that Dead morphed Star. into uh, right. Supernova, but yeah. And and What's then the pseudonym on Supernova, Lee. Uh, Lee Tom Lee Lee Thompson. Oh, it's not an Jay Alan Lee Smithy Thompson. movie. No, or, no, because, something Lee, I think. Yeah, because he they, he didn't use Alan Smithy because um, what's his nuts? Showgirls director? No, uh, Showgirls writer. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had the, the, the Alan Smitty movie. Oh. Yeah. What's yeah. What's his name? Uh, yeah. Joe Hesterhaus. Verhoeven. Joe Hesterhaus. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hesterhaus. Yeah. He yeah. put out the Alan Smitty movie and because yeah, and of that. using the. the yeah. The, the, that was like I the think, first I think, uh, With Eric Idle. I think Hellraiser yeah. 4 was the last Alan Smitty movie I saw. Yep. I think that. Yeah. Something like that. 
I did a, a bunch of research on that. I got to go back and look. Um, <laughs> We're on a tangent on a tangent. Right yeah. <laughs> we had to uh, drop some bloodline in. Steve's <laughs> just got to go on a Giver tangent. That's yeah, right. we just, oh, we did a whole episode on, on uh, Hell, Hellraiser 4 to go back. I've heard it. Peter talk. Atkins. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Such a cool guy. Uh, all right. And so around this time, Paul Anderson, you know, I think he was off of Soldier or something. He got the Resident Evil game and he was up one night playing it. And then he called his producer who would go on to produce the Resident Evil movies. And he's like, yo, you got to get me the rights to this game. This game's amazing. And then the next day, Bolt, his producer calls, is like, ah, Constantine owns the rights and Romero is attached. And so Anderson was like, damn it. Uh, so what he decided to do, because he loved the game, he couldn't stop playing it. He wrote a script called Undead. And he pretty much said, quote, my idea was to pretty much rip off a resident resident evil. You know, it's like I was going to make a version that would probably get me sued. It had exactly the same <laughs> game elements, the mansion, the woods, the underground laboratory. But, um, you know, but he well, just fascinating. But then. Yeah, but then his Resident Evil movie didn't really happen. Yeah. It, it, so, and then he, then when he got Resident Evil, he changed two things from that script and made it Resident Evil. Wait, and Steve, is this before or after he was trying to do Castlevania? This might be before. I think uh, Castlevania. I think I believe is in the early two thousands. Okay. I have to look up. I have to look up all the. I have that's another Castlevania folder. I have to get to, <laughs> but I believe that's in the two thousands. That one. Um, I have too many. Doc folders of unproduced movie research. I would uh, love to see that Castlevania folder, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's growing. Um, well, that'll be a future episode. So we'll let yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then February 3rd, 2000, Jamie Blanks is announced in Ain't a Cool News that he passed on Urban Legend 2. He wasn't happy with the script, but it looks like he's going to direct Resident Evil and oh, his no. is going to be set in a not too distant future. Um, Jamie Blanks uh, directed Urban Legend 1. And what's Storm the other one? Warning? Yeah. Oh, he yeah. did Storm Warning? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. I oh, think man, I'm right. That Storm one scene good. in that movie yeah, really good. disturbs me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know the scene. Jesus. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, right on. And I think he did Valentine, right? Valentine, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Okay. So Valentine was what he did instead of Resident Evil. I never knew he was up for Resident Evil. That would have been cool. Man, I'm a, I, I'm a fan I of Jamie. Rewatched Valentine recently and, and its original theatrical trailer, which, like, yeah. uh, you know, promoted it uh, as a romantic you, comedy girl yeah, yeah. On, the, on the blanket <laughs> with the, the box of chocolates. Is it good? I haven't seen it. Valentine I is love like it, but I, I don't know that I can, you know, I mean, your mileage will vary probably, but I like it a lot. <laughs> if you like the early 80s whodunit slashers, uh, that, that's, that's I think it, that's you're, you're, you're definitely How much do you enjoy. love David Boreanaz? That's the yeah. I, <laughs> Exactly. I got you. Yeah, that was during the, the, the Nancy Drew era book slashers. The, the, it's the, totally different than the book, the but book I have a lot to of to the movie books. has more changes than, well, than Res than, than Paul Anderson did a for nice touch Evil though that the killer has a his nose bleed after yeah. every kill though for some yeah. I don't know what the it was, the a, it was an homage it's, it's an homage to Alone in was. the Dark which I had if I can get my camera oh, what are you showing oh, us there it is the Alone in the Dark oh, nice. that was, oh that's so an great. acknowledged reference to Alone in oh, the Dark I nice. love it so much the bleeder uh, the bleeder yeah. <laughs> the fucking bleeder yeah. um <laughs> That's what, yeah, yeah. So no, Valentine is is uh, I'm, I'm as much as I would have liked a uh, a Jamie Blanks Resident Evil if that was the consolation. Then I'm I'm fine with the way things worked out. All right, I gotta check it out then. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so his was going to take place in the not too distant future where all viruses and life threatening diseases like cancer and AIDS are now curable. And now an evil corporation comes along and so it's creates basically crimes of the future. Yeah. <laughs> We're immune from all yeah. disease. They do the surgery. And Chris so Redfield long. has a call around his head and, and weird glove <laughs> things. And he just kind of lurches around the city talking to people and next to docks. It's like a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. So the Jedi much. that talks like Batman. I liked it. I liked it. I did too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so his uh, a, a corporation comes in and creates a drug, uh, creates a disease that's like uncurable and it's going to infect the world. And the only way to cure it is to is to cough up money for a vaccine. And then that that was his concept, according to Ain't It Cool News. Uh, and then September 19th, 2000, Michelle Rodriguez, I, she hadn't done Fast and Furious yet, it looks like. She just, I think she was into she was in after. Girl Fight, I think. Yeah, or, she's yeah. Just, just fresh off a of Girl Fight. She told the Hollywood Reporter she heard they're making a Resident Evil movie and she'd love to be in it. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. She um, willed I, it to happen. Yeah, I'm bummed it. And I'm she must have willed her off, herself though. to be brought back to life later in the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wish she was in it more, man. I really like her. And I, yeah. that would have been cool if she would have, if they would have. Anyway, I'm not, I didn't write the movies. <laughs> um, and then October 5th, 2000, Anderson becomes attached to uh, Resident Evil, $40 million budget, Halloween 2001 release originally. And I, I think, and, and this is my theory, I think, with him, like he also pitched them like this idea of like the T virus um, congeals the blood. So you can you won't have as much gore when zombies are being shot at. And the mm -hmm. other thing, because it's like, you know, we all love Romero. We all love what he does with, you know, elaborate zombie makeup that could take hours like the Dr. Tongue guy. But for him, it was all about, you know, not doing that, just, you know, simplifying all these zombies so they could just keep moving on and his makeup team won't be going crazy. And I have a feeling that's what they probably liked also. It's like yeah. Romero is still old school and wants to do, you know, which is, you know, God bless him. You know, yeah. Well, but I think as somebody said that Romero kind of had a reputation not just with the MPA, I think, you know, certain certain filmmaker Terry Gilliam probably had the worst coming out of the 80s of studios just felt like this person did not care about your money. Like they were an artist and you should be happy they're making a movie for you. That was Terry Gilliam for sure. I don't quite I don't know how bad <laughs> Romero was at that, but I think W.S. Anderson, if you look at the success of his career, you just know he's somebody that the studio is like this guy makes his movies on budget and on time and they usually make money back like Get the monster hunter franchise in his hands well right away. yeah we'll yeah. see how that goes moving forward because that lost yeah. a lot of money <laughs> they got those rights like immediately right they Just sure did smart like <laughs> again the resident evil movies globally have made so much money so yeah insane and then so when resident evil was first and uh, it was originally under the title resident evil colon ground zero because i think he did that to kind of keep originally it was meant to be like yo this is a prequel to the game type thing to kind of a series of novels too that are somehow still in print that have been around since the late 90s as well that i think some of that that lore from the novels winds in as well oh, i want that's interesting I, yeah jim i like 
director of the novelization doc, he has them all. I'm kind of, I'd never looked through them yet to under, because like some of them are named differently and it confuses yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah, of them are novelizations of the films and some are just completely standalone, like, you know, you know Claire and Chris joints, basically. Hmm. The Resident Evil 1 movie, the, the Anderson movie from 2002, has a novelization, but it's under a different title. It's not just called Resident Evil. I forget now what I'm blanking what it called. They gave it a colon subtitle. Yeah, you're <laughs> most I can't of the remember. sequels, I think four might be the only one that doesn't have a novelization. There's like they skipped one of them for whatever reason. But there are some I'll do. Uh, and they fill in some of the plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the author takes some it upon himself to make a little more sense. Uh, especially because at the end of five has a huge cliffhanger that is completely is is completely ignored in six. It's kind of fascinating to watch, especially if you, you said you binge them earlier, and I'm curious yeah, how that right, plays but they out. all bleed, you know, it's like five, watching, yeah, like, they bleed together. And Alice and everybody, they're like, yeah. we're all going to band together at the White House, and then at the beginning of six, everybody's dead, and you're like, wait, what? Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, it was the yeah, same yeah. with the clones, because I think they give her yeah, clones at the end of one movie, and then there's yep. this awesome opening She's to got the her next army. Yeah. is constantly off, ignoring his own setups. Like, he sets something up at the end of the movie, and he's like, eh, fuck it. He does it with Chris, too. Chris Redfield Again, the game's main character, who's the star of like several of the games, is finally introduced in the fourth movie randomly, and then he's just completely just he, he's 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 alive at the end of four, but then at the beginning of five, he's never seen again. <laughs> he died in between movies. Sure. Oh, is that the yeah. one when he's on the copter and he's holding Ada Wong's hand? He, was that Leon? For, for, well, they they cast the guy from Prison Break. Oh, Wentworth Miller? Yeah, is is Chris. And they just happened to find him in a prison in part four, which I was like, okay. Wow, um, I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the movies. All right. Yeah, by the way, David Borealis was rumored he was attached at one point that, that now that you brought him to up. Resident oh, Evil. To be Chris? He, he'd be yeah. a good Chris. We could see him as Chris, yeah. Yeah, back in the day. And so before Resident Evil came out, they already announced uh, the sequel, Resident Evil Nemesis. And then March 12th, 2002, Resident Evil's released, and it comes in second place behind Ice Age with six yeah, million. Ice Age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Another and, uh, movie with interchangeable colon subtitles. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and it also made a gajillion dollars yeah, globally. Yeah. And to continue our zombie talk really quick, um, what's what's no, stop Ice Age. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> in 2000, 2000 to 2002, um, there was like maybe five to six zombie movies coming out. And then, and by the way, April 2002 is when Romero starts discussing his next, next dead film will contain a wall around the city. And then 2003, the uh, 28 Days Later comes out, House of the Dead comes out. There was maybe 11 zombie movies that year. And I think zombie movies started coming out more and more because of the Resident Evil games. And then 2000, sure. 2004, 21 zombie movies or wow. dead came out. And then that's Shaun of the Dead. That's um, it, uh, yep, know, uh, a Dead remake. Uh, the dead remake. Then we got yeah, the whole era of like zombie comedies like mm -hmm. Fido and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, Resident That's Evil thing, Apocalypse, I mean, Land of the Dead. Say what we will about Anderson's movie, and I think we can all agree it, probably, it was not as good as what Romero's probably was going to be, uh, especially if you were a gamer. I mean, I don't think I don't think Anderson's movie is bad, I should say. It's just not the it's game It's a bad adaptation. It, it's a bad adaptation. Um, but certainly for me, that was the first time I'd ever seen zombies on the big screen. 
you know, I mean, I, everything else I'd seen up to that point, Dawn, Night, you know, The Return of Living Dead, so all that stuff was always, you know, on TV, on VHS. Uh, a lot of that stuff never even opened theatrically near me, you know, like, Return of Living Dead 3 was a theatrical release, but like you were saying earlier, Josh, like, oh, it didn't LA, come to my yeah. town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so I never had the opportunity to go see a zombie movie until then. And, then, and now it's like, well, like, a, you know, well, not, not recently, but certainly for a, a long period of the OOs, mm -hmm. you know, they're everywhere. I mean, finally we got the freaking World War Z with Brad Pitt, you know, like, I think that was like the culmination of the whole no, you yeah, zombie crazy yeah, zombie movie that cost over a hundred yeah. million dollars. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no, I remember. Yeah, because I remember when Twenty Days Later came out. My friends like this is the best zombie movie since Return to Living Dead. And it's like holy shit, that was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the, yeah. oh wow, it beat the other three. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, you were running the numbers before. And I was surprised by how high they were, but you, I mean, they definitely never fell out of favor as much in in Italy. There were con, there was there were constantly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like those numbers until the. Oh, you it's know, all as long over. As they're making movies at all. And those well, numbers yeah. Steve was giving, I'm like, probably yeah. almost none of them were something we would consider a no, notable. No, no, I mean, for the nineties, it's it. basically just yeah. you know, Cemetery Man, Return of the Dead Three, I guess, Dead Alive, which didn't come up. Like um, the Dead Hate the dead. Living, maybe like yeah. more those yeah. are all, video yeah. stuff. Those are, all, yeah. those are all included because there are yeah. zombies yeah. in it. Yeah, they're yeah. all not like you know, but yeah, so they are. You know, I guess there was nothing. There was nothing in multiplexes for sure. No, not unless at you all. want to count like Pet Cemetery Two as a zombie movie. That is counted. That is counted. Because Reanimator got count. They're just counting anything where yeah, a if, if the zombies back to life. don't, if there's, if you get bitten by a zombie, don't turn into one. It's not a zombie movie. Yeah. So that's why yeah. I will take Twenty Eight Days Later as a zombie movie. I know that's a huge debate, but not Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I got a lot of people yelling at me right now because of these numbers. But yeah, that's according to <laughs> Wiki going through all the zombie movies out every year. Um, oh, yeah. And by the way, I was wrong. Band of the Dead came out in 2005. It was kind yeah. of announced in 2004. But yeah, okay. 2005, 22 zombie movies, 2006, 25, I 07. The Land of the Dead came before. out after the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. In, in I, think, I think Land of the Dead came out this weekend, 2005. Oh, really? I do June. remember I went to see it uh, right before I got married and tomorrow's my anniversary. So it was right, it was right around here. Holy shit, dude. You're right. Yeah, because it came out June yeah. 24th. Okay. So, June yeah. 24th, 2005. Look at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll just stop with all the zombie numbers. 2008, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say 31. And then... Yeah, we did it. 2009, 27. And The Walking Dead premiered in 2010. 2008? I don't even remember it. Was that 20? No, Let's see. 20, so 28 weeks later was 2007. Let's see really quick. Um, 2008. Let's see. According to Wiki, Ninjas vs. Zombies, Outpost, Pontypool, Quarantine, oh, Pontypool, okay. Real Zombies, Resident Evil, uh, Sexy Killer. What the fuck's that? Splinter. Is that a zombie movie? Maybe a lot of these aren't. Splinter's, really. not a Splinter's just kind of a like a random creature thing rather yeah. than a zombie thing. Yeah. Although that zombie at least strippers. like spreads. On you yeah. know, but it, yeah, yeah you're right. There's a some contagion movie. element to that. Yeah, Edge of Darkness, Flick, The Guard Post, I Sell the Dead, Make this Out. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's not Dead Girl. Um, okay, Dead Girl. Yeah, Dance of the Dead. Oh, okay, Dance of the Dead. I remember? There's, yeah, there's so, a movie called Make Out with Violence that's like a super indie one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah. All right, everyone can yell at Wait, but, do we know? Do we know really what happened with the Romero version? It just, but with, with Resident Evil, 
Yeah, was it just too expensive? Or? No, they just they Capcom didn't like Capcom didn't like the scripts. Uh, I don't think they liked working with him. I have a feeling it just now that you attach. I think what happened was everyone online. This is my theory. Everyone online was going crazy that it was their number one choice. You got to get Romero to do this. And when he was on board, they're excited. But maybe like, you know, his last two movies, as we spoke about in the beginning of the show, kind of bombed. He didn't get if he, maybe if he made the mummy for Universal, there could have been a chance to trust him with this budget. But he wasn't able to get the mummy off the ground. And, you know, and also, like we were saying, his movies were super gory. And if, if he made a Resident Evil movie, his word of mouth going to get out. Oh, this guy made these crazy zombie movies, gory movies made it. Could that hurt the word of mouth? Is it turning into a Romero movie versus a Resident Evil movie? They probably had all these voices that's my theory in their heads or they, maybe they just didn't like working with him. I, I don't know. All it says is they didn't like the scripts. They didn't like what he was doing. You so know, it almost seems like a, it seems like a, not another against Romero or anything, but it almost seems kind of lazy for him to do a Resident Evil movie. You know what I mean? Like, like the same way it felt like when Spielberg did ready player one, it was just yeah. like, why are you doing this? Like, this should be somebody who grew up with you, like, or, or you know, Argento making Giallo, which even, you know, Keller, the writer, so it was like literally the worst choice to make Giallo because it's supposed to be a, an homage to, to, to Argento. It's <laughs> yeah. like you can't homage yourself. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's, I mean, they even have a line I brought up earlier. Like, this is like Night Living Dead. It's like, I'd rather Romero is sitting in the crowd appreciating that than directing somebody saying that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it is it, ironic it, that. Capcom didn't like his script because, but it's the one that's faithful to the game yeah. and the movie yeah. that did get made is not. Yeah. I mean, but who knows? You know, um, as we've talked about in our like Halo episode with Microsoft, it's like sometimes these game companies that don't think like movie companies, you never necessarily know. Yeah. It might even have been that Capcom didn't like that it was so similar to the game. They mm-hmm. were hoping yeah. that it would be some whole new movie version or something. <laughs> They're like, we want a lady waking up with amnesia and to take a shower. Why don't you have any of that? Yeah. We'll find somebody who can give us that. Well, yeah, because then it doesn't hurt the game continuity either. You know, it's a safe bet going with him. He made a successful video game movie. He understands budgets and he was smart about the gore. Like I talked about with how the, the, the virus deals with your blood and the way he wanted to handle zombies and I think he was, and then he had a head start. He wrote a script while he kind of figured it might not work out with Romero. He just came in like Mm -hmm. all guns blazing. He had everything lined up. I mean, you can, you know, I mean, I'm going through these old articles from like Ain't It Cool and all this stuff, and I'm blown away at how much they hated him after Soldier. I mean, like everyone couldn't stand him. And then the moment he gets attached, everyone's railing him. And (laughs) I, I don't know. I always liked him. I have no problem with him. But um, I don't know. I think he was really smart at the way he approached it because, I mean, but look what happened. You got all these sequels. Could you not get those sequels out of this Romero version? You know? Oh, for sure. I mean, he left the characters alive, you know, the, the main yeah. characters. He didn't kill, but he did, he definitively killed Wesker. Mm-hmm. The, the, the movie, the Anderson movies kind of kept bringing him back, as did the games. Um, but he was definitive i mean his head was removed he was impaled and then his head got cut off for good measure (laughs) (laughs) they killed that fucker uh but um you know i don't see how this would not have been it would have been very easy to to sequelize this they clearly left it open for a sequel Mm -hmm, so as long as it was a success i I can't imagine whether it was with romero or not a resident evil 2 to this would have been very easy to do because again you have the games 
And, you know, as long as you have the games to fall back on, and I think that was something that kind of hurt the Anderson series after a while, as far as creatively, it felt like he was constantly in a position where he had to combine Alice into what seemed like demand to, to be more of the game, you know? Um, I think Apocalypse was closer to... Think about, I think Apocalypse was a good version of what it it could be like to see his world combined with the game world. I think, you know, it definitely had a lot of Resident Evil 2 vibe to it. It had a lot more of the characters. Uh, it had Nemesis in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, but it was still very Alice focused. And I feel like he really kind of nailed, even though he didn't direct that one himself on the, on the narrative level, he kind of nailed what he was bringing to the table, which was basically a completely different thing. And, you know, marrying that to the game, mm-hmm. but it's like, you didn't have to do that with Romero's. There was nothing to marry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gave you, he didn't invent, he didn't invent, the only character he invented was the one he stole from <laughs> aliens, the Rosie Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> Uh, at least as far as major character, Rake, I guess, was not, it was not a game character either. Good old Rake, Rake, the, the, the farmer. Rake the farmer, yeah. That'd be fun. Um, the closest he came to inventing a major character was you know, Chris, <laughs> because yeah. he changed his, his origin. Um, uh, speaking of Chris, I should ask, um, uh, Chris, do you need to get going? You do have I, a I, so, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm putting out a I'm small sorry. fire on my phone right now. Our secret screening is beginning. So yeah, you I are in the middle jump, of guys. a so festival sorry. that you're right. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I know, you know, it's, but I don't want to be rude because this oh, is no, 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 we can wrap it up. I, I think guys. we we got through everything. Um, Brian, where can people find you on social media? I am at Brian W. Collins on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, uh, and occasionally I do occasionally, I very, very occasionally I switch, I twitch, uh, the Friday 13th game, uh, uh, Jay Grayland 23. Nice. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll do a Resident Evil. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll load up, uh, the, uh, the remake of two because I haven't played it yet. And, uh, uh, I'll twitch some of that. And Mike Mendez, nice. who is not here yeah. anymore. Mike can be can... found at the black phone right now. You should go and <laughs> yeah. talk to him. Uh, you can find him bother on him Twitter. He's on Twitter at Madman Mendez. Uh, Chris Dorch, I know you are not on Twitter. I am not, and I don't know I. how I you guys are. You're all smarter than me and Steve. Uh, yeah, but, uh, me. but Chattanooga is on. Chattanooga we Film are, Fest. Yeah, just Chat Film Fest at uh, pretty much every one of those places. Yeah, so. but. By the way, I had such a blast at your frightening ass film festival. I always tell people about. Oh that man, I hugely so. appreciate it, and that was like one of the very first chances I got to to see you do this in some form. So it's an honor to be on the show for. Oh sure. no, dude, it was a thank you for having you on, us. man. Seriously, wait—if it's already started, what's the secret screening? You can tell us if it already started. Uh, I'll tell you, it's it's said something in the dirt. Oh yeah, nice, oh, cool. Uh, although we rickrolled people before it, so <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and obviously we're live streaming this, but we will be re-airing it as proper episodes of our podcast, uh, probably like a month or so from now. And I guess for those just listening to it as a podcast now with the festival having been several weeks in the past, is there anything you would want to tee up for the future? Or I don't know if Chattanooga does anything year round. We will have some year round stuff happening. So if, if people want to go to chatfilmfest.org, we'll keep them informed hope to do a whole bunch of different little film series between now and 2023, which should be a return to the ground and kind of a hybrid form for us, some stuff on the ground. And because the virtual has gone over so well, we don't want to cut that off and lose so many new friends and fans. So, yeah. Great. Steve, do you have any parting thoughts? Oh, just on, uh, no, just 
please follow our um, our social media for the shark documentary. Yeah, Steve and <laughs> we, I. We can, are... We'll make sure we post that in the Discord too, and get some yeah. folks on. Oh that yeah, it. thank you. Steve At is shark directing media. Shark Exploitation. Uh, but please follow our social. Meet a lot. We we're trying to yeah. grow it. <laughs> thank you. All right, but thanks everyone for joining thank us. Thank you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks thanks for you guys. This is Great awesome. to meet you. Yeah, here. Bye. Right. Bye. Please follow us on Twitter at Never Made Film and Instagram at Best Movies Never Made. We also recommend that you download the Electric Now app so you can watch video of our podcast and all the podcasts on the Electric Surge Network. We'd like to thank everyone at our network, including Bill Ritter and our producers Mark A. Altman and Dean Devlin. Until next time, this is Josh Miller and Steven Scarlatta saying, We won't see you at the movies. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.